1: football full circle on the right Fake to armstrong run right foot five it to the end zone touchdown Ian Book launches
0: down the middle for McClesney and he puts three James McClesney touchdown touchdown they take the lead with
1: three seconds left Patterson Buckle up, we are here, welcome to College Football Full Circle right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network, Serious, Channel 204, Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello, Mike Carver on hiatus on vacation for a couple days, my former partner Rich stepping in, Rich, it's great to be talking about week zero of the college football season is here, doesn't get better than this.
2: It does not, Joe. I've missed you. It's uh, almost late <laughs> August. Got a few more uh, days before we get some live action on Saturday, and uh, you and I are on the air, so life is good right now. The <laughs> biggest thing in terms of the offseason for you, was it the
1: NIL uh, situation in terms of players getting paid and being able to profit, offer of their name, image, or likeness, or the situation which transpired basically a month ago with Oklahoma and Texas now moving to the SEC in twenty.
2: 25 i i would go with the former joe because it's going to be more impactful on on two thousand uh, it, it is a paradigm shift uh, we don't even really know the impact that it's going to have on universities across the country uh recruiting uh locker rooms uh you know motivations of kids uh, you know is it going to be more difficult to motivate the kid on a three and five team who's you know maybe got fifty thousand dollars in his pocket uh what happens to fans do fans treat players differently in the past it was you know these are student athletes let's not be too harsh on, on these kids uh, they're they're unpaid students uh Uh, Now you have a kid, you know, rolling up to the stadium in a Lamborghini and and all of a sudden he's (laughs) going to be treated by the fans like a pro athlete. So for me, it's NIL because of the immediate impact. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma, we're probably not going to see in the SEC for another few years. So uh, NIL is something I'm watching very closely.
1: Me as well, and I have a deeper perspective or a breakdown about it. I want to get your take. Just the situation with Brian Harson, who who has sat out now with COVID, but first-year head coach with Auburn, and he has a, a junior quarterback in Bo Nix that signed an NIL deal. We also saw former LSU transfer T.J. Finley there as well that signed an NIL deal as well, and they're both fighting for position. How does that affect the coaching staff's decision? Maybe, Maybe not this year. But in terms of play throughout the season, because we know boosters really drive the bus at some of these programs. And if you have a team or a company, let's say paying a player two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And let's say he's even with Bo Nix in the practice squad or on the field. How does that really affect maybe the coaching staff's decision in terms of who starts and who doesn't?
2: It's a great question. I mean, these are all of the offshoots of the NIL, which. I don't think people thought about, and there are gonna be more things that come up as time passes. My gut tells me at the end of the day, Joe, uh, I know coaches, you know coaches, you've been around coaches your whole life. At the end of the day, it's who's gonna give me the best shot to win because uh, if I'm not winning, I'm not coaching at that university much longer. And that applies to you know Brian Harson as well. Now, when you get to boosters and the impact that boosters have on decisions, coaching hires, Coaching pay increases could that possibly sway something? I, I I guess it's possible, but at the end of the day, if if Bo Nix. Is outplaying TJ Finley. The fact that he has a a deal, for instance, with Milo's T, I don't think will have any impact on that decision. But again, I I think the bigger issue for me is uh, how does this impact teammates in the locker room? You know, you're going to have a case of haves and have-nots. This is not just, you know, scholarship players and and walk-ons. This is kids who are making uh, serious cash, and I'm I'm not against it. I'm all for kids being able to profit uh, from their name, image, and likeness. But, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau at Oregon, you probably saw United Airlines uh, will now be paying him well into the six digits. Uh, Does that cause some kind of a rift at some point in that Oregon locker room? Time will tell.
1: Yeah, and Oregon has a Week 2 matchup looming in the horseshoe against the Ohio State Buckeyes right here on the FanDuel Sportsbook. They're already 10-and-a-half-point underdogs. Rich and I are going to go through some of the conferences. We'll look at some of the, the conferences like the ACC, Big Ten, and SEC, respectively. Quickly, though, uh, Rich, in terms of the situation, what happened with Scott Frost and the Nebraska Cornhuskers, do you have any effect on this team as they make their way to Champaign later this
2: week? I don't think they have that luxury. I, I I think whether it's Scott or those players it's it's time for Nebraska. I mean, I, I was wrong about Scott Frost. I thought he would be uh, a significant winner uh, at Nebraska by year two. Once he had a chance to put an impact on that roster, it has not happened at this point. The off-field issues that are taking place, they have to be able to tune that out. I, I, you have to be able to open the season, albeit on the road, against a team like Illinois. Nebraska has the superior talent. Uh, they've got the better quarterback, in my opinion, in Adrian Martinez. you got to go out and win and tune out what's happening off the field.
1: Yeah, couldn't agree more. Nebraska right now on FanDuel, minus 6.5 at minus 115, total set at 54.5. When we come back, we'll be talking about the ACC, Joe Lisi and Ritz Sermonello, right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're listening to College Football Full Circle with Joe Lisi and Mike Carver on College Football Full Circle. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello in for Mike Carver, who's on vacation for a couple of weeks. It's okay. A couple of days, excuse me. We're three deep on this network. We bring in my former partner, Rich Sermonello, from the Maxwell Football Club to break down all the conferences. Rich, the ACC conference has been dominated by the Clemson Tigers and Davo Sweeney. I mean, each and every year, all they do is win. They're the, one of the only teams to make the college football playoff since it's it's inception in 2014. I brought up the statistic, a dominating one. Since 2014, this team is 58 and 5 straight up against ACC opponents. DJU takes over at the helm. They're minus 900 on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the ACC. Any thoughts about a potential team outside of Clemson that maybe can
2: knock off the Tigers? It feels like such a long shot. I, I mean, of all the conferences, in the country power five group of five i i don't think one is more of a long shot than clemson not winning the acc joe uh, i mean there are a couple of teams I'll, I'll throw out that i think could beat their season number virginia tech out of the coastal is one uh, i think nc state could be an above average team for dave doran out of the atlantic but in terms of winning the conference i i just don't see- and DJU, you mentioned, uh, looked good in spots when he filled in for Trevor Lawrence last year. Uh, offense will be fine. Justin Ross comes back, their potential All-American wide receiver. But that defense is absolutely loaded at every level. Uh, I think it's going to be difficult to score on Clemson. Uh, I'm not a Miami guy. I would like your take on Miami. North Carolina's got the offensive potential. I don't think they have enough on defense. So uh, I see some upstarts in the conference. I just don't see anybody upending Clemson, though.
1: Yeah, now, Miami is my one dark horse due to the quarterback position in De'Ara King. Now, we know he suffered the ACL ACL injury at the end of the year against Oklahoma State. He is back. He has Mike Harley that comes back for that offense. They get the transfer from Oklahoma Rambo that I think is an added benefit in terms of big play explosiveness and Cameron Harris as well. But I think that the quarterback position is the most key component to not only knocking off Alabama week number one, but just in Colorado. College football in general it is such a quarterback centric type of game now we've seen teams like Alabama and Clemson just dominate because of the quarterback play right same thing with Ohio State as well and when you have a dynamic playmaker like D'Era King he can carry you now the biggest question for Miami right now is can they live up to expectations right I mean they knock off Virginia Tech Last year on the road in Blacksburg, they get that one-point win. They struggled against NC State, right? Find a way to gut that out 44-41. to But then they get absolutely blown out at home by Sam Howell and the crew, where they put up 554 rushing yards on that team. So that's been the the problem with Manny Diaz and the Miami Hurricanes. Just when you buy into them, they they let you down in a big way. But I'm going to roll the dice, uh, Rich, in the sense that – I think they have a manageable schedule outside of uh, Alabama week number one. They do go on the road to face North Carolina and Chapel Hill, but at plus 1,000 to potentially steal it over Mm. Clemson i like their chances this year i think they have clear sailing to the championship game and then anything can happen on any given saturday
2: yeah listen it's a really good point if you're if you're high on miami to win the coastal and with those odds you're looking at a one game scenario Superstar quarterback, dual threat in De'Ara King's been doing it uh, since as far back as the Houston days. Great recovery from that ACL injury uh, during the offseason, so it looks like he's going to be 100% for the opener. I guess my concern for Miami right now is... I don't see an abundance of star talent on defense. Uh, they they've had it over the past couple of years along the defensive line. It's going to take some of those young kids, you know, uh, to really step up and, and apply pressure. Uh, the Miami defense, Manny Diaz, a defensive coordinator by trade. Who are the guys that step up? Bubba Bolden out of the secondary is somebody I like. Uh, They do have some high-profile transfers like Tyreek Stevenson uh, out of Georgia. But that defense has to coalesce, and they're going to have to do it quickly. I know we're not talking about Week 1 games just quite yet, Joe, but that matchup of the Miami D versus Bryce Young, John Mechie, the Alabama offense will be fascinating in the opener.
1: It really will. And I said this about the Miami prestige, right? You don't necessarily, obviously, you want to go out and win the game. But you just have to show well. Don't get mm-hmm. blown out like you did on the road in Death Valley last year, right? You knock off Clemson and uh, Louisville on the road. All eyes were on the Miami Hurricanes. They go into Death Valley. They're a 14-point underdog. And they laid an egg yet again for that Clemson team, right? So the the whole key, in my opinion, to, to Miami's season is show well against Alabama. Try desperately to make it a fourth quarter game. If Even if you lose, let's say, a 10, a 13, or a 17-point game, you have the potential then, from a mindset perspective, to say, hey, we have the ability to play with the best team in the nation, and that can carry you through maybe the ACC schedule. So I think all, all eyes are on that week one matchup. If Miami shows well, they have an opportunity to have a special season, but if they get blown out then it, i'm with you it could be status mm-hmm. quo for many diaz and the crew
2: it's an excellent point i mean listen if you pull off the upset you know change the the expectations for the entire season you upset alabama you could be potentially talking about national championship. i couldn't agree with you more i mean it, it's going to it's going to really impact the demeanor of that uh entire locker room depending on how well they play if it's if it's a blowout you lose by for the next two games. Not an easy non-conference schedule in the first three. You host Appalachian State in week two. A terrific Sun Belt program on both sides of the ball. Uh, Michigan State and Mel Tucker. Then go to Miami after that. So, how they play against Alabama could really have a residual effect in those in those next two non-conference games before you get to the FCS uh, in Central Connecticut State. Yeah some money coming
1: in on the Alabama Crimson Tide now at FanDuel they're up to 19 in that week one matchup they've won 19 straight uh, over their week one opponents by an average margin of victory of 25 plus per game so we'll keep an eye out for that week number one on a neutral field Uh, a team that I'm high on in the conference in terms of getting over their total you mentioned you liked NC State and Virginia Tech how about Wake Forest with 17 starters coming back and Sam Hartman at the helm I think they have the potential Potential, Rich, to maybe start eight and 0 because of a soft schedule, but 17 starters coming back.
2: Dave Clawson's done a, a pretty good job in, in Winston Salem. Oh, he certainly has. Uh, I I think, and, and we we used to talk about uh, Dave Clawson a lot when we were uh, together on college football today. I think he's one of the most underrated head coaches in college football. Very small campus, uh, doesn't have more of a basketball school than a football school. Uh, they're not going to be getting uh, elite talent along the the Eastern Seaboard. But Dave Clawson, all he does is crank out high-powered offenses, uh, oftentimes with two-star talent. Uh, does a great job with quarterbacks. Quarterback, Sam Hartman you mentioned has been there uh, for the past four or five years. They're always strong at the skill positions do a nice job of developing uh, both slot wide receivers and big outside receivers offensive line. They coach up extremely well defense is going to be a little bit more of a concern. Their star power uh, is off to the NFL, but uh, I- I'm with you based on coaching. I-, I look at college football, especially from the gambling uh, angle. Joe, it really comes down down to coaching and quarterback. If you have a quality coach and a quality staff, if you have a veteran quarterback who has been there before, Wake Forest has both. If you have those two elements, you've got a shot to over overachieve.
1: Yeah, we'll see what transpires. A seven-win total in some books for Wake Forest, so we'll see if the Demon Deacons can get it over that. Rich and I both like the Demon Deacons over their seven wins in 2021. When we come back, we'll wrap up the ACC. We'll also talk about Ryan Day and the Ohio State Buckeyes. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermon, right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network.
2: are listening to College Football
1: Full Circle with Joe Lisi and Mike Carver. RIPPING THROUGH THE ACC CONFERENCE. WE JUST LEFT OFF TALKING ABOUT THE WAKE FOREST DEMON DEACONS. RICH AND I ARE BOTH ON their OVER RIGHT NOW IN SOME BOOKS, INCLUDING WIN Bet SEVEN TOTAL FOR THE DEMON DEACONS. MANAGEABLE SCHEDULE, QUALITY QUARTERBACK, AND 17 RETURNING STARTERS LEAD ME BELIEVING IN DAVE CLAUSEN AND THE CREW. BUT RICH, YOU DID EARLIER MENTION THAT YOU'RE ON NC STATE AND VIRGINIA TECH IN TERMS OF SURPASSING THEIR WIN TOTALS THIS YEAR. VIRGINIA TECH HAS A PRETTY HIGH NUMBER. In terms of 7.5, NC State not as high, 6.5 in terms of their total in most books. What do you like about Justin Fuente? Because he really didn't live up to expectations last year. And I'm not so sure the quarterback in Braxton Bur- Burmeister is the answer. Are you?
2: Yeah, I, I it's funny you say that because uh, we're on opposites. I like Braxton Burmeister for, for fans who... <laughs> Yeah. Don't recall. He began his career at Oregon, uh, transferred to Virginia Tech is a fantastic athlete and the one thing i know about justin fuente going back to his days as an oc at tcu or a head coach at memphis is uh he is an offensive minded coach and does a good job traditionally with quarterbacks and and i think he's going to maximize the talents of burmeister burmeister not a natural passer not a traditional pocket passer but he can make plays outside of the pocket i think burmeister his legs his athleticism his ability to escape pressure and make Plays with his feet will benefit Virginia Tech this year. And and listen, they were they were terrible. Did not qualify for for a bowl game. You know, going back to. Pre Frank Beamer days last year, but a lot of that had to do with the fact that uh, they had a mass of injuries, uh, did not have a full roster earlier in the year, got off to a slow start, never recovered. I don't think this is a a contender, obviously, to win the ACC, but to beat their number, I think Virginia Tech is better than that seven and a half. And then just quickly with NC State, you know, it, this year is such an odd year, as you know, Joe, because a lot yeah. of players who were seniors last year, uh, that year, because of COVID, did not count towards their eligibility. So there are a lot of what's being called super seniors, players coming back for their fifth or sixth year. So rosters are a lot more mature than they normally would be. And NC State is one of those teams. They have a veteran coach in Dave Doran. You remember me from back in the old days. I never <laughs> liked Dave Doran. I'm still not a huge fan of that. I think still think he's overrated. But he's got 19 starters back 9 on offense 10 on defense outstanding offensive line uh veteran albeit mediocre quarterback in Devin Leary so those two schools I think we'll both go over their number, but particularly for me, the Wolfpack with 19 starters back. What was the number? Six and a half, Joe. I think they can get over that number. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and two great running backs, Person, right? And Bam Knight, who I think Bam Knight is one of the most physical running backs in terms of the ACC. And a couple of players on Virginia Tech, right? Under the radar players. Trey Turner, the wide receiver, James Mitchell, and under the radar, tight end. So we'll keep an eye out for Virginia Tech to see if they can get through that seven and a half. A lot of pressure on Justin Fuente. He took them to the ACC championship game, his first season there against Clemson. They lose that game by seven points. They've slowly regressed. We'll see if they can get over the hump and seven and a half wins in 2021. Let's turn our attention to the Big Ten. We know about the Ohio State Buckeyes. C.J. Stroud takes over for Justin Fields. Named the starter this past week. Redshirt freshman has a ton of size, a ton of physical attributes, and, and being coached up by Ryan Day, there's no doubt that this offense should be explosive, if not one of the most lethal in college football this year, Rich. The biggest question for me is right out of the gate, though, you look at the Buckeyes' first two games. Minnesota with Tanner Morgan and P.J. Fleck, not easy. A potential look-ahead to Week 2 with Oregon and the and that team right now. I mean, that's not an easy start for the Ohio State Buckeyes this season.
2: And not an easy start for C.J. Stroud, who has a high ceiling, uh, you know, five-star quarterback west coast has all of the physical tools but has never been in this position before so your point is well taken and and that opener against minnesota is on the road thursday night ohio state has traditionally whether it was ryan day or pre-ryan day tends to get off to a little bit of a slow start Uh, as a heavy favorite they'll allow teams uh, to compete with them in september and you know minnesota is one of those schools that uh I, I was looking this weekend at you know what what Big Ten teams have the best offensive lines uh, heading into 2021. Uh, this is it for me. I think it's Ohio State and Minnesota. Minnesota returns somewhere close to 200 starts along the offensive line, brought in a good transfer from Utah State. So they have uh, upwards of seven or eight offensive linemen with starting experience. And, and Tanner Morgan would like your take on this, Joe. Tanner Morgan struggled last year. Uh, I think he reverts back to 2019, Tanner Morgan, when he was one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the country with that offensive line, uh, with Mo Ibrahim behind him, the running back. uh, I think Minnesota could be a very difficult test for Ohio State in the opener.
1: I couldn't agree more. And that line opened up at Ohio State as a 13-and-a-half point favorite. They're now up to 14, so you get the flat 14 right now on FanDuel. But I agree with you about Tanner Morgan, that Chuck 30 touchdown passes a couple of years ago with Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman. Now both of those players have moved on to the NFL, but when you have time to locate your wide receivers and go through the passing tree, that's an added benefit, especially week one. Let's not forget this team got blown out at home to join. Joe Milton and the Michigan Wolverines, right, Rich? So I expect them to be dialed into this matchup. P.J. Fleck, a Northeast guy, we know him very well in terms of he's not going to have this team not motivated week one, especially when the Buckeyes are coming to their house with a new starting quarterback. I mean, they're going to be chomping at the bit right now, so it's not going to be easy for Ohio State. The biggest question for me is, can they get the running game going with Mo Ibrahim? I think they can. I think they can move the football enough. I don't know if if they win this game, but I like them early on in this matchup.
2: Yeah, I agree. Massive offensive line uh, for Minnesota. Uh, Ohio State has that talent uh, up front on the defensive line. We know that. Haskell Garrett, uh, Zach Harrison, Ohio State uh, never has a problem in terms of talent on either the offensive or the defensive line. But Minnesota is one of those rare programs in the Big Ten, Uh, perhaps Wisconsin, perhaps Iowa, that can actually go toe-to-toe with the Ohio State defensive line. And again, for an opener like this, you know, it's more than just the quarterback. But when you look at the quarterback matchup, uh, you've got a first time performer in CJ Stroud someone who has no past experience uh, at this level to really count on versus Tanner Morgan who's been a starter for the past couple of seasons uh, it's a home game it's a Thursday night uh, I would not be the least bit surprised if Ohio State was slow out of the gate uh, you allow that uh, that crowd in Minnesota to, to get into that they're gonna be fired up uh, I, I think Minnesota makes this a game into the second half and and I would agree with you I, I think the gophers uh, cover this game not not calling for the upset, uh, but I could see this somewhere in the seven to ten range. Uh, Ohio State escaping with a with a victory before uh, before the Oregon game.
1: Yeah, we're going to break down that game as the weeks progress uh, in Minnesota. But right now, their total on FanDuel is set at 7 at minus 110 either way. I'm heavy on their over-rich for this year. I think they actually win the West. I think they are the sleeper over Wisconsin and over Iowa. But I have to get your take about Jim Harbaugh because this team total right now for Michigan set at 7.5. Is that the expectation in Ann Arbor? Is this what Michigan fans expect now with Harbaugh? Entering basically his fifth season. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, this team yeah. really needs to get it together. If they go, let's say, seven and five or eight and four, can you see Harbaugh there in 2022?
2: It's a fascinating question because, and this is what I've posed in the past, whether it's on air or off air. Um, has not lived up to expectations. We know how college football and rivalries work, right, Joe, if you, if you can't beat your chief rival, uh, you know, it's the old, uh, you know, Jim Cooper model. If you, or John Cooper model, if you can't beat your rival, you're not going to last very long in that position. And, and Jim Harbaugh, uh, has gone over against Ohio state. Uh, I, I don't think, uh, even though it's a home game, I don't think they beat Ohio state this year. This is a mediocre program. And, and when you look up and down the roster, uh, Uh, Alan Bowman's an interesting quarterback. Texas Tech gunslinger struggled uh, to to be healthy uh, during his time in Lubbock. But I don't see a ton of star power. Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive end, is an exception. Uh, Quality program. But this is a seven or eight uh, win team right now. They've fallen behind more than just Ohio State. But the question is... uh, can you do better than Jim Harbaugh? I, probably, but, but who is the guy? I mean, is there somebody out there? Uh, is it a Matt Campbell at Iowa State that you go after? Who is the coach that you're sure is going to be able to elevate this, uh, this Michigan program?
1: Well, that was my biggest question is that if you can get Matt Campbell, you go and you throw money at him. Now it's been clear and evident through reports that Matt Campbell definitely does not want the Michigan job, but I say money cures everything in terms of that situation. If you're gonna throw seven million dollars at Matt Campbell to coach in Ann Arbor, he might consider it in terms of that possibility. Now the biggest thing for me is you name Cade McNamara your starter. You bring in Alan Bowman, you had Shea Patterson, you failed to open up the offense. It's status quo again. Uh, This team's success is going to be predicated on whether they can run the football successfully or not. They're not built to come from behind. And when's the last time I asked Michigan fans this? Have you ever seen Michigan's offense run up-tempo? In terms of the early part of the game, it's only when they're trailing. Have you ever seen them take risk, run on first down, run on second down, and predictable third down situations? If that's what we have in Ann Arbor, this is, again, a 500-football team. You might even lose
2: to Michigan State again as a 25-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, listen, you know what? Opener, Western Michigan, Caleb Ellaby at quarterback. You know, that that's not an easy game. Washington in week two, not an easy game. These are these are difficult times in Ann Arbor right now for the Wolverines. When we come back, we'll talk about some players Rich has
1: his eye on, along with some SEC odds, Joe Lisi and Ritzer. You're listening to College Football Full Circle with Joe Lisi and Mike Carver. Back on College Football Full Circle. Joe Lisi and Rich Cerminolo stepping in for Mike Carver who's off for a couple of days. Breaking down the Big Ten conference. We left off with Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. Right now, if you want to take a shot on Michigan on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the Big Ten this year, well, you're going to get 25 to 1 odds, Rich, because FanDuel doesn't believe they have a shot. Neither do I. They are now in order. When you just look at the order, the 7th best Team on Fanduel behind Iowa, behind Indiana, behind Wisconsin, Penn State, and Ohio State, respectively. It's ridiculous in terms of the fall from grace that Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines have had. If I had to pick one team right now, though, that we haven't talked about that has the shot to knock off Ohio State, who is the I know where you're going. I know where you're going. James Franklin and Penn State, baby. Give me the, the, the Lions. Love them this year.
2: Yeah. You've got a lot of returning talent. Last year was, uh, you know, last year was just, a uh, started over, you know, I, I mean, they, they started so poorly, never turned it around. Uh, you've got the veteran quarterback in Clifford. You got some quality running backs, uh, really like that offensive line so yeah I think people are sleeping on James Franklin I, I think people are also sleeping a little bit uh, not not people like us uh, who follow the sport closely but people don't realize just how good Indiana is and, and what Tom Allen has done uh, at Indiana I, I think at some point Allen is going to be ready for a bigger promotion where a, a true football school is going to give him an opportunity good man great coach great job uh, that that he's doing with the Hoosiers right now.
1: And he has weapons that a lot of people maybe haven't heard of in terms of just national recognition, right? Michael Pinnock's one of the most dynamic athletic quarterbacks. You now have Peyton Hendershot that came back from the tight end position. You have Ty Fry Fogle, one of the best wide receivers in the Big Ten. And now you add USC transfer running back Stephen Carr that takes over for Stevie Scott. I mean, that could be a lethal offense. Do you feel that the defense can at least take a little bit more in terms of the next step? from where they were last year to potentially challenge the Buckeyes. They get them in Bloomington this year. Ohio State's won like 25 straight, but that game went right down to the wire last year
2: yeah you know Indiana the the issue that I have offensive line has not been a problem and and I don't think it will be this year so they have the big bodies it's the defensive line that I struggle with with Indiana back uh, seven is fine Uh, Micah McFadden for me Joe one of the two or three uh, best linebackers perhaps the best inside linebacker in the country Uh, in in the secondary Taiwan Mullen Uh, Marcelino Ball has been there for for a number of years looks like he's finally healthy this year so back seven is fi- uh, fine but can they get a push at the line of scrimmage do they have the big bodies to uh, to really have an impact against say the Ohio State offensive line Thayer Munford uh, and that O line of Ohio State that to me is uh, really the difference as to whether or not that and can Michael Penix finally stay healthy that's been a concern throughout his career
1: well, if he can, I mean, they, they are the dark horse. They are 20-1 to 1 to win the Big Ten this year. We'll see if Tom Allen and the crew can do that in Bloomington. Let's talk about the SEC. Well, we know Nick Saban, all he does is win, baby. Seven national championships, six at Alabama, one at LSU. They are the favorite yet again at minus 160 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. But then you have JT Daniels, you have the Georgia Bulldogs lurking right behind the Alabama Crimson Tide, second-best team in terms of the FanDuel odds at plus 190, followed by Texas A&M, 12-1 shot with Jimbo and the crew. He calls out Nick Saban, says, we're going to beat you. I'm not so sure about that. But any other team in terms of the grid for the SEC that maybe could steal the crown from the Alabama Crimson
2: Tide? I mean, there's only one other team that I could think of, and it's probably one you've thought about a lot this offseason, which is, which is LSU. I, you know, l- last year difficult season coming off the national championship in 2019, that was sort of expected. You knew it wasn't going to be the, the same team without Joe Burrow in particular on offense. Uh, Miles Brennan at quarterback. Uh, if when he's fully healthy, uh, I, I think this kid has a lot of potential. I I, I like what I saw, although briefly Uh, at the beginning of last year Uh, but this is LSU they have talent everywhere they're deep in the offensive backfield Uh, might have the best probably has the best uh, corner tandem in the country in in Derek Stingley uh, and Eli Ricks so you know this is still LSU they have the speed they have the blue chippers Uh, if you can get Miles Brennan healthy uh, for some period of the season I I think LSU is a team that could uh, surprise again this year.
1: Yeah, they're my pick to actually win it at 25-1. to Now, I will say this. I like Miles Brennan, but I really like Max Johnson. To me, he was the quarterback that really developed, showed the quarterback to wide receiver relationship with Kayshawn Booty, the big play freshman, right? He came on at the end of the year. That's how they got the victory in the swamp against the Gators and then followed that up with a dominant offensive effort against Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin at home to finish 5-5. and So, I think that gives them the best shot. Now, their season hinges week number two uh, in the Rose Bowl they are a four and a half point favorite against Chip Kelly and the UCLA Bruins so I'm with you there and I I look at that LSU defensive effort last year that falls on defensive coordinator Bo Pellini he did not have that team ready it was a new scheme they struggled with a lot of different reads I think it's a different defense this year with you so I agree they are my dark horse But I want to talk about Georgia quickly, uh, Rich. A A lot of people are buying into JT Daniels, the transfer for USC. I have to be honest. I need to see it when the pressure is on. It's one thing to do it when already you have two losses. Come on at the end of the year. You engineer the bull win over Cincinnati. But JT Daniels really needs to take the next step against some of the better defenses within the conference to give the Bulldogs a shot to win a crown
2: yeah I would agree uh top to bottom Georgia has as much raw athletic ability uh, size speed overall talent as anyone outside of Tuscaloosa so that's not an issue but I I agree with you I you know we saw a small body of work after, you know, Stetson Burnett gave way to JT Daniels. JT played very well down the stretch last year, and and you can't take that away from him. But we have not seen much, even going back to the USC days, right? Uh, Played uh, okay as a true freshman i you know did a, did a decent job there was potential there were ups and downs i didn't necessarily see the evolution throughout his true freshman season that i was expecting and uh, and then he's injured early in his sophomore year and we never got a chance to see him so i think there's been a lot of hype for jt daniels based on a small body of work uh not going to have george pickens again similar situation as as miles brennan serious injury uh, you don't know how long you're going to get him for for this season so his top wide receiver is Uh, is not going to be available for the entire slate of games. Uh, Georgia's Georgia. Georgia's talented. To me, Georgia is uh, clearly the best team uh, out of the East, but are they good enough to beat uh, Alabama at this point? I think they're a step behind, and to your point, I still need to see it from JT Daniels uh, as well in terms of big SEC games, big pivotal games in the SEC. Uh, Can he be that all-American caliber quarterback? And
1: they're three-point dogs. There is no margin of error for the Bulldogs. They get DJU and the Clemson Tigers. They have won six out of seven in terms of the meetings against the uh, Tigers. Last Clemson victory did come back in 2013 with Sammy Watkins and the crew, 38-35. So we'll see how that game plays out in a couple of weeks. Two teams that I'm high on in the conference, to over-exceed expectations. Under-the-radar teams, per se. I'm on Mark Stoops in Kentucky. I like what they have in terms of the running back situation. Chris Rodriguez, Will Levis does come over from Penn State. Josh Ali, Wanda Robinson, the Nebraska transfer. I think they could get into the area of eight or nine wins this year. And how about Mississippi State? I think a very manageable schedule. I, again, I don't think this team's going to be eight and four or nine and three, mm-hmm. but to potentially be six and six or seven and five, I think is very attainable in Mike Leach's second year.
2: Well, let's start with the first one. Uh, I'm right on board with you with Kentucky. Uh, you know, Mark Stoops in terms of underrated coaches in difficult situations, uh, basketball school at Kentucky. Uh, this is a hard-nosed program. They've played good defense. The offensive line has been outstanding. Kentucky looks like a quintessential SEC program. They run the ball. You mentioned Chris Rodriguez. Uh, I- I'll mention Darian Kennard as one of the best offensive defensive lineman in the country and a couple of names that you dropped uh, in terms of transfers Joe I'm a big fan of uh, Wandale Robinson uh, Nebraska and Scott Frost did not do a good job of utilizing uh, the versatile skill set that he has uh, Kentucky needs that type of a player they need someone uh, Chris Rodriguez is more of a be, uh, between the tackles type of a grinder and very good at it but in terms of explosive playmakers uh, give me Wandale Robinson every day of the week and and Will Levis uh Yeah, people don't know him. Uh, He was more of a uh, Taysom Hill, you know, sort of a, a goal line type of an option for Penn State. But he wanted more. Uh, he transfers to Kentucky, wants to prove that he could be an NFL-style quarterback, has had a great offseason, has put a lot of time into uh, perfecting his throwing motion, becoming a more accurate passer, along with that uh, big body and the, and the running ability that he has. So uh, it, with a, a young coach, an innovative coach, and Liam Cohn as the new offensive coordinator, I'm really fascinated to see what we can get uh, out of Will Levis, out of Wandale Robinson, along with Chris Rodriguez and that offensive line. So I'm with you with Kentucky. I I will not bet against Mark Stoops. Uh, He tends to overachieve year after year. Uh, Not as convinced about Mississippi State. The one team I was going to throw out to you to get your opinion is uh, I like Eli Drinkwitz and uh, five and five last year from Missouri. Uh, Connor Bazalak uh, returns as the starting quarterback for Missouri. Some high profile transfers that uh, Mizzou has picked up, especially in the secondary, uh, not to win the East. But I think Missouri is for me in terms of a sleeper that will go above their number. I really like the Tigers this year.
1: Yeah, I picked them at 6-6. Six and six. Now, I couldn't agree more. I mean, they beat LSU as a 16-and-a-half-point underdog at home last year. I mean, so they have the type of potential. I think the biggest thing is they lose Nick Bolton, their big play linebacker. They do have Tyler Beatty. I like him at the running back position. A manageable schedule. Now, they play Boston College. That's an out-of-conference game. How do they match up against some of the bottom feeders in terms of the SEC? Can they knock off Tennessee, a team that they struggled with last year? Can they knock off— off those SEC East opponents like South Carolina with a new head coach in Shane Beamer. They're going to need that to get over the seven wins. I think they're right at six, but I agree with you. If Baselak comes in and duplicates exactly his progression last year because he struggled early on but came on to the end of the year, this can be a sleeper within the conference, so we'll see what plays out in Columbia. I do want to get your take because I know he's on your watch list. Tank Bigsby and the Auburn Tigers, they have some play there, Bo Nix they lose their top three wide receivers smoke Monday on the backside for that secondary can this team surprise in 2021 in Horson's first year
2: I, you know I I don't I'm not that high tank Bigsby is uh he's one of the top five backs in the country uh uh, an explosive runner, but also very compact and physical, difficult to tackle, uh, not just in space, but uh, y- you got to wrap this kid up to take him down. Very impressive as a true freshman, uh, and then sort of petered out at the end of the year. I'm eager to see what he can do with a full season, uh, but I look at that roster of Auburn right now, and I, and I think Bo Nix will be, will be better. I think it's time for him to turn it up a bit and, and become more of a complete quarterback, but I, I, I'm not impressed by the Auburn roster. Auburn roster number one, and I'm still concerned about that hire of Brian Harson. This is going to be a real baptism by fire in the SEC West. We'll come back
0: and wrap it up with week one lines
2: You're listening to College Football Full Circle with Joe Lisi and Mike Carver.
1: Wrapping up today's show, Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello. Rich will be in also tomorrow filling in for Carver, but we always end the week show and the day show with a week one line. So, Rich, this line is a little tricky for me, and I'm scratching my head. It has North Carolina as a a five-and-a-half point favorite against the Virginia Tech Hokies. That's a team that you're high on. Minus 110 either way on the FanDuel Sportsbook. 65-and-a-half the total at minus 110 as well. But it's interesting that North Carolina beat Virginia Virginia Tech last year by 11 points at home in Chapel Hill. You think that
2: the Hokies can come right out of the
1: gate and challenge Sam Howell in that week one matchup?
2: Yeah, you got a Friday night game, right? Uh, A little more of a feel of normalcy at Lane Stadium. Uh, Enter the Sandman and, and, and enter... The Tar Heels. Uh, I'm going to call for the Hokies and the upset, and, and and my surprise player. And call me out, call me out on Twitter, Joe, uh, if <laughs> if I'm wrong. Uh, but my surprise player will be Braxton Burmeister. I'm just not high on that North Carolina. And, and listen, the offense will be fine. Sam Howell is a next level quarterback. I think it's next man in when it comes to uh, the skill position players. So that's not my concern. My concern is that North Carolina defense. It's been mediocre uh, even before Mac Brown. I think think it'll be mediocre again this season. I'm going to call for... Braxton Burmeister over 100 yards rushing and the upset victory over the Tar Heels.
1: Well, I will say the last time they played in Lane Stadium a couple years ago, they did win a nail-biter in like four or five overtimes. It went down to the wire. They actually got the cover, the Hokies did, in dramatic fashion. So these games have not been blowout specials. Last year, North Carolina did jump out to a 21-point lead and they fought right back with Burmeister at the helm on the road, got it to within a touchdown. And then in the end, the Qatar Heels did pull away. I lean to North Carolina in that matchup. Rich does like Virginia Tech. We'll be here tomorrow, breaking down Week 0 and the other conferences for Rich Sermonello. I'm Joe Lisi. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network.